We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. To the end of the game, the fight from this locker room. Guys, we weren't going to be denied today. We were not, right? But guys, I saw it in your eyes in pregame. I saw it. I saw what this team is about. Now, are we perfect? We're not. We're not. But guys, we have a good football team. When we stick together, when we stick together, we got a good football team. Now, that's one. That counts as one. Every single one of these, they count as one, but we get to stack them, okay? We're going to stack them, and we're going to stick together. Now. You guys want to come in tomorrow? Hey, get a lift Monday or Tuesday. I'll see you Wednesday. What up, everybody? Welcome into your Victory Monday. It feels really good to say the Browns beat the 49ers 19-17. to And anytime you get to come on talk about things after a win, you feel really good about. The internet was rather mean to me, Andrew, after I decided to say that the Browns could beat the 49ers and make that prediction. And I kind of am amazed that, that people don't understand that in the NFL, anybody can beat anybody. And you look at a bunch of factors that go into that game you could sort of see where they could compete and then if they can compete it's a coin flip so it's not it's not that crazy to think that they could win that game and they do man and it's really exciting and uh, we'll get to the stats and we'll get to some of the things from from the whole thing that we initially thought but I watched it in in house at the stadium you watched it on tv uh, that, I think you know when you watch it on tv you certainly have less distraction to put it kindly yeah. So I will give you a chance to sort of lead off with what you what you thought, because I, I will say I want to lead you into this where you where you hit on this a little bit. We The big thing that people have come to us about is our comment about Kevin Stefanski mm-hmm. and signature wins. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, again, we weren't talking about signature moments or signature like achievements. We're talking right. about a win, right. a specific win. And I would I would like to think I'm not speaking for you, Andrew, but this feels like it. And that's great. That's what they needed at a really big moment in the early season. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, you know, you, you made a comment to me earlier that I, I think is really interesting talking about the process versus the result. Uh, and I think this is this is one of those this is one of those instances where the result is 
maybe more important than the process. Like, because there was some stuff today, I was pretty critical of the team, you know, on social media throughout the game. Uh, you know, some of the offensive stuff at times, they were, they were so sloppy on both sides of the ball, honestly, um, just giving away a lot of penalties. And it felt like it was going to be a repeat of the Steelers game where they had the game kind of, like you said, in that coin flip territory and gave it away. Mm-hmm. And that was going to be really frustrating to be at a point where you've got two games where they're clearly the better team. So that's two wins. And then two coin flip games and you're 0-2 in those games and then one where you get blown out. It's like you want to try and be 500 in those coin flip games. So they are now. Uh, this game honestly kind of feels like it makes up for the uh, you know, the Steelers game in terms of, you know, they yeah. should have won that one. I, I mean, you know, some of the 49ers uh, players, to, to the Browns' credit, the 49ers players, you know, kind of agreed that they did not deserve to win this game. I think the, I think the Browns earned a lot of respect in the league today for the way that they played. But to get back to the point, the the result here validates the process in a way that I think is going to be really helpful and meaningful for this team, because I think Kevin Stefanski did a great job. You could see it in the post game uh, video in the locker room speech. He did a great job of keeping this team bought into what they were trying to do through the bye week. Mm-hmm. They they went into the bye week in a terrible loss, a real momentum killer, and then there's all these questions about the quarterback. When's he going to return? You've got other players leaving injured, including Joel Batonio, who's you know one of the big leaders on offense. It was a back against their wall, their backs against the wall moment, and they delivered. And I think that validates a lot of what he's been telling them. Because I think one of the things that we felt, Jake, over the past few years is that he's doing the right things and saying the right things, and they're right there, and then it doesn't happen for them. Yeah. And so yeah. as much as there was some stuff in the game that process-wise they have to get fixed to, to kind of get to that you know, the upper echelon of teams in the league. I think the operation of the organization, the you know, what Kevin Stefanski is preaching and the toughness that Jim Schwartz has introduced, I think is those things bearing results, bearing fruit today, is that getting a win for them is going to really matter as they, you know, they go into Indianapolis next week and then they go to Seattle. These are going to be, you know, they're, they're road games. Road games are tough in the NFL no matter who you're playing. So they need... That resilience. The, the thing that I said today, and I, 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 what I see with this team, and I think the defense is leading it, but I think the whole team is starting to identify with it, is that their toughness is creating resilience, right? Because they're they're not taking shit from anybody, and I think that you go to the the pregame fight, that stuff seems small, but the players afterwards were talking about they felt like the 49ers were being rude, basically disrespectful, and they said no. You know, and I think there are versions of the Browns that we've watched for years and years that didn't, wouldn't have stood up to another team, especially a five and O team that has kind of bossed the league around. There, there are Browns teams in the past that wouldn't have stood up to this 49ers team, but these guys did. Yeah, I think there are guys like Juan Thornhill or who who yep. bring experience that is mattering. And you have those guys like John Johnson. You wanted this to be the type of guy he was for the, but he, but he wasn't. Uh, I think Juan seems to be doing that and some other guys Zadarius that they've brought in Hurst that they brought in who have won at various other places are bringing that attitude that not that not backing down mantra so yeah I like it the thing that you know the reason I asked you the question on the post game Andrew was because like this is a 40 yard field goal and traditionally those 40 yard field goals are going in Mm -hmm. I mean it's pretty rare I mean I'm telling you when the stadium was stunned it was stunned Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe it my mouth was hanging open so (laughs) uh and again a third round kicker by the way yeah this is that but nonetheless 
I think that where I where I try to dance delicately is I feel like the the process of the defense is in a great place, right? They were mm-hmm. sloppy today. They, you know, miles with these like offside penalties that'll just drive you up a wall sometimes. And I thought that there was there was a play, Andrew, that I have to see the all twenty two of. But I'm watching it live in that last drive. IU catches that ball and r- works back toward the middle of the field. And I watched Sione Takitaki like reach out to touch him. It was the weirdest effort yeah. it was I've ever seen. It was everybody. I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my mind around it from the stands. Now, again, I have to see it. Yeah. And I know you watched the TV copy, so I'll ask you some things that you mm-hmm. saw. Maybe I didn't. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that what I like, again, is that to your, you know, the point you just made, they are resilient. And I do think they fight. Now, with what happened last week, I kind of, at least to me, I feel a little bit like you throw that out the window a little bit because of the nature of the Watson drama and how that unfolded right before kickoff. But I do feel like they fought. And in particular, you want to give them credit for fighting here. That was great. I mean, they came out and whether they won this game or lost it, I really wasn't going to be that mad because Mm -hmm. I do think a lot of folks thought that, that, again, the line sort of told you what they thought of this. This was going to be a two-score victory for the 49ers. So for them to be in a spot to compete, I thought that said a lot about how much they cared. And really what we want to know is, do they care like we care? That's, an, that's a question we often ask. And they answered that. But you needed, to your point, Andrew, the results do have to eventually follow. You can say all the right things as a coach. You can put your team in the right position. And we'll talk about putting your team in the right position in a little bit when we talk about that P.J. Walker decision late. But like, I just think that eventually you do need a couple things to break your way. And that's like, like you watched tonight, Andrew, this process was no different than the Pittsburgh one. Exactly. Where I'm, what I mean by that is those two interceptions from Walker were awful. He makes a really terrible late throw that could have ruined the entire thing. You know, the same with Pittsburgh where the defense was stellar, gave up one long touchdown, which again, that was the first touchdown to the Browns allowed in that Steelers, uh, sorry, in today's game, like it was completely the same, but the results were just different. So I want to be careful being like, this is a game that cha- they're going to rock. They're going to, they're going to be so good going forward. We don't really know that what could, because largely the offense is still such a mystery, but what we do know is this is the type of result that can propel you to try, you know, not try harder. Cause I think they showed us they'll try, tr- you know, plenty hard enough, but they'll buy in a little bit more. You, you, you like being in the building a little bit more. You like going to meetings a little bit more and those Types of games, just believing that you can win them, even when you have a third quarterback, it does make you feel like if you get Watson back, whenever that comes, as we <laughs> saw a photo of him pointing only with his left arm, yeah. uh, when you do get Watson back, whenever that comes, that is where you start to feel like your team believes that you can win every game. Because right. the defense is showing this performance from your defense holding San Francisco to 215 yards is them truly thinking, believing, buying in to the to we're the best defense in the NFL and Cody Shook sh- shared a great stat that right now their success rate is like it's a 31.2% they're allowing that low a number which is the lowest success rate rate for any defense at this point in the season since 2012 so they're playing really well and you know if the offense can just get their process to catch up mm-hmm. somehow some way and again as you and I would agree that is driven a ton by the quarterback being healthy and active. Yep. If you can start to figure that out, there were some parts of this. I like. there was an uptick in inside zone. We'll talk about that stuff, but like if you can get that side of the ball to just kind of like, Hey, come on, let's go move this direction. 
you can see how there's a there's an 11 win team here and a team that can seriously threaten for the division so uh there's a lot of encouraging parts of that and i and i, I don't mean to put a damper on it by saying you know that question i asked you about was if it doesn't go through or not because we don't have to face that reality it didn't go through they won right but i just like want to be clear that i didn't think the process on the other two phases was was uh and i, I should be careful with that the special teams was fine mm -hmm. the, the offense's situation which is understandable yeah wasn't very good well, and if that can just catch up right yeah and and i honestly i think it gets lost because of the you know some of the situations but they did they did run the ball really effectively let me give you some stats andrew because that's a great thing to remind everybody the browns had i mean they, they were <laughs> You're not feeling optimistic when they trot these guys in the field right now. I think we can all agree with uh, that the last two games. Yeah. And they had 18 first downs to San Francisco's 15. And this was a hot San Francisco offense. Brock Purdy leading quarterbacks in EPA per dropback coming into this game. Both teams bad on third down. 3 of 12 for the Niners, 3 of 13 for the Browns. But the Browns outgained them. 334 to 215. 15 more plays. 4.8 yards to 3.9 yards per play for the Browns. Rushing net 160 to 108. And if you take away those stupid jet sweeps or fly sweeps, if a guy's under center, like that was driving me nuts. That's like 45 yards of rushing yards. It should never happen. They hopefully get that cleaned up. But 174 on the net passing side for the Browns, 107 on the net passing for San Francisco. Um, 12 penalties to, to for San Francisco, 13 for the Browns. Browns lose the turnover battle again, two to one. But like the general point here is the Browns go for like six more minutes of offense uh, in the time of possession is that, yeah, the Browns are like, they're struggling. But if you can bring a defense that holds offenses to 215 yards, you can still find a path to victory. So you're never quite out of these games. That's the point I was also trying to make in the postgame. You can see that this defense will give you a chance to win eight, nine games. But if the offense just catches up, that's how you go from an eight, nine to 11, 12. You know what I mean? So that's where I think we should be most optimistic is that even though it was not very good on offense. There were some signs that they could put some yardage together. And they, like you said, Andrew, they ran it. They ran it fairly well as Jerome Ford ran 17 for 84 and Kareem 12 for 47. Yeah. I think, you know, Kevin Stefanski shouted out Bill Callahan in the post game for the run game design. I think they deserve a ton of credit for going into the bye week tinkering with some things. Cause there was definitely some stuff that was different. Uh, no doubt about it. I, I actually, you know, in the fourth quarter, they ran that toss play um, to, forward to the left twice on the same drive because it was it was working so well the first few times they ran it that they you know they were just trying to get yards any way they could so you know to me it really reminded me of you know you go you flash back we talked about this game on on uh, the Saturday podcast when we were talking about signature wins you go back to that Denver game right where it was Case Keenum and Dearness Johnson you know against I mean it was a, it wasn't the best Denver Broncos team but you know they had a decent defense and they just kind of you know sort of scraping and clawing for yards it felt that way in the fourth quarter it was like how are they going to drive two times to get field goals here it just doesn't it didn't feel possible and obviously you know there were some uh, uh penalties that helped the cause a little bit but yeah but man oh man I, I i just think you know they found a way to do it and i am telling you i mean to go back to the thing we opened with there have been plenty of games over the past two years where it just doesn't they'll 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 put out three straight three and outs to end the game. And it's like, well, we could have, but we didn't, you know? And so yeah, to see them actually go and do it, you know, and then, I mean, you know, to, to the, to your point about the field goal, the, they've been on the flip side of that, you know, it was, what was it? A, it was a, a miss from Cade York last year against the chargers that that, that game becomes a win 
Um, they, you know, they've been in those situations that, that missed extra point against the Jets last year. So <laughs> I really feel like between the, like I said, the penalty calls and that field goal, you know, the, their kicker missing two field goals on the game. I, you know, the, the Browns have, have been on the wrong side of a lot of those breaks over the past few years. And this is when, when we're in the off season, we're talking about one score games and how that tends to even out. This is exactly what we're talking about. When games are this close, it's what you said, Jake, when they become a coin flip, then weird stuff matters to the final outcome. And there was a lot of weird stuff. Let's kind of go through the offense. We talked about the running stuff. There were a couple other runs in this one. Uh, Marquise Goodwin had one for 20 and Elijah Moore had one for eight. If they run another fly sweep with Elijah Moore, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to lose it. That's not even including it. He did have one run from the gun that... Uh, ended up netting eight yards. He's actually not bad at the pin pull stuff from the gun, but if they give it to him on like that fly sweep stuff, he cannot feel for where to cut up. And they're there. We said it well in the post game show, Andrew, he is an a dot depth downfield player They you look at him and you think that he is a guy who should make people miss underneath. That's not who he is. He's a big wide receiver in a little wide receiver body. And I hope that like, I just don't know why they're not seeing that. He should be catching the football further downfield. He doesn't have quite the oily hips that you think he does to make people miss underneath. But I do think, again, when I watched his tape, he could make people miss in in coverage. And what I mean by that is finding blind spots and running sharp cuts downfield. And right now, it is a misuse of the player, which is really frustrating and a topic for another time. But in, in that regard... Um, uh, let's just finish out stats for the Browns. Amari Cooper goes four for 108 on eight targets. He was exceptional again. I think Andrew single-handedly drove the offense, and and and, and yeah. Amari Cooper deserves so much praise, man. Mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt catches three for 24. Uh, hopefully, you took that five and a half yard prop bet that was sitting out there for him. That that hit in like the first what was it? The, it was the first play? Yeah, I think his first hit. catch went for more than that. Yep. Uh, and Joku has three for 24 on four targets, but two big screens, one of which would have resulted in a touchdown. The other was a night 18 to 20 yard gain. So he could have had a, had a much bigger day. Elijah Moore, four for 19 on seven targets. Uh, auxiliary guys here, kind of Jerome Ford, two catches for seven, David Bell, one catch for six, but that one catch was a huge fourth down catch, uh, working kind of away from his frame a little bit. And, and he deserves a shout out for that catch because that kept the drive going that ultimately resulted in one of the key late field goals for the Browns. So shout out to him. And then Marquise Goodwin had one reception for four yards uh, with a couple targets there. Guys who didn't catch a target, Harrison Bryant, DPJ, both had one. And then Jordan Akins had two targets. So um, got to have a conversation later this week, Andrew, about bootleg stuff that is just not finding any success. And then what they're doing with production from their second and third target guys. Like they're just not finding much production there. So those are two big things to hit on. But we hit on P.J. Walker, 18 of 34, 192, no touchdowns, two picks. This was the biggest broken part of the process today, Andrew. So the first interception doesn't see Fred Warner on a stick route. Like there's an over route behind a stick route where if the linebacker, the Mike follows, chases, sits underneath the deep route, you just hit the stick, didn't see Warner. Warner like quickly sold he was going to turn and then just jumped right. And Fred Warner's great. So it's hard to be that mad at a practice squad quarterback coming up. Right. But that turnover resulted in a nice return, but ultimately the Browns defense stepped up, got a long field goal. Try was um, unsuccessful kick the first night. That's what I was encouraged by. Ironically, man, 
uh, Moody kicking that direction. He had missed that 50 yarder. So I was like, all right, I like that he's kicking on the side that he hadn't made. So that was noteworthy. The second one was just crippling. I, I don't know the time frame. Let me let me find this. I can look at the playlist. But that timing of that interception, it was in that moment, Andrew, where they had taken this 13 to 10 third quarter lead. Yep. And you could feel, you could feel that the 49ers had no real answer. After their opening script, they did not have a real answer for what to do against the Browns defense. They were outgunned. Purdy had to get rid of the ball quicker than he normally does to avoid getting sacked. Trent Williams was beat up. Debo left early, McCaffrey later, but nonetheless, you could sense these guys were not moving the football. And it's sitting there at 13-10. He throws this ball down the left sideline, underthrown because he gets pressured. Have to watch it, but I at least know that he was pressured when he tried to throw it. He couldn't follow through. And they return it to the what? Five? Yeah. Well, he was so this is maybe this is a TV live thing to too. Me. He he was trying yeah. to back shoulder Cooper there. And Cooper got I I mean it depends on how strict you think they should call interference, but Cooper got affected. I'll just say that. He got pushed out of bounds. So that was that was part of it. It was still a bad throw. I'm not defending the throw, mm-hmm. but it was definitely one of those things where he he thought he had the back shoulder opportunity there the way that the guy was covering. And and I think it was Lenore playing on Cooper just kind of out-physicaled him. It was classic two-on-two, right? Wide receiver two versus CB two. Um mm-hmm. You know, and and Lenore, I, I you know, kind of got him around the the front of the jersey and and sort of pulled him forward, and, and Cooper wasn't able to recover. So it was, uh, I mean, again, you'll you'll watch it. Uh, I'm interested to see what you think, but it, it there was some stuff there on the on the reception side that you know gives some people came after because that was a huge thing. Here's what happened: they punted it, got a holding call on the punt. So instead of getting it, because I was fine, Andrew, what I wanted them to keep doing at thirteen ten, we're talking like. San Francisco punted with 12.25 on the clock in the fourth quarter. I was like, perfect, dude. Keep punting it to the 30. Get six, seven yards. Even if you don't get a first down, you punt it back down to the 20. Mm -hmm. These guys aren't moving the ball. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So they punt it, holding on that punt. The Browns take it back to their own 28. That kind of sucks. You could feel it, right? So you go for negative one the first run. Then you hit the the throw to Njoku on that nice little... Uh, it was like a wide zone from the gun back, flipping it underneath the backside end in pursuit. It was perfect, but Jedrick Wills is just three yards downfield instead of one. He he just went too far forward instead of going lateral. So you lose that big play because at that moment it was second and 11. That's a huge gain. Now it's second and 16 with 11-13. You throw that interception up the left sideline. It goes from 13 to 10 to 17-13 because they score on the next play from eight yards out, and then the Browns get it back with 10.58, and they're down 17.13. And honestly, all of the moment, and I I think the fans were starting to sort of realize what I was saying, where it's like, they can't score if they they just, like it felt very Pittsburgh-ish, if they just punt it and play field position here, they're going to have a real shot to win this game, or at minimum, have a chance to kick the field goal at 13.13 to go win the game. And it just, that... Like I, I can't even describe being in stadium. It sucked all of the energy. And there was so much energy at that point where I know it was a collective feeling like you were just talking about where there is, how do they score a touchdown? Like how do they go out and score a touchdown? So that was, you know, walkers, those are the two mistakes. And then I'll give the Browns credit. They come back out. They, they, they put a drive together, go down the field, get down to the what? 21 yard line. I think. I think it's the, yeah, third and one at the 21 yard line. The 49ers are walked up, mug pressure front, play cover zero behind it. 
and he eats a sack from Nick Bosa for 11-yard loss. At that moment, he's kicking from the 32. It's a 50-yarder. I'm like, all right, you're kind of fine here. You have your timeouts. You have two timeouts in the two-minute warning. Make this. See if you can get a three and out. And he does. I was like <laughs> ready to walk out because if he missed that 50-yarder, the game was done. Yeah, for sure. And it went from a close one to 50. So at that point, how were you feeling about it? Because that was – you know, you could you could see, you could sense they needed to put one drive together and you get down to the 21 and you're like, all right, this is a potential for a touchdown. But at that point, you know, you still have, in my opinion, I'm sitting there like, all right, you still got two timeouts. Can you get it back and get one more kick? Because I felt pretty good about Hopkins at that point. Did you? Yeah, I, I did. And I, I think that was the point at which it started to, you know, the because he hit that, that slant pass to Cooper on second and 10 that got him in, in, down to the 21, right? Yeah, let me double check that. So yeah, it's it's second and ten at the 34, 13 yards. Mm-hmm. Yep, down to the 21, yep. first and ten. Then they throw to David Bell. Yep. Short left, incomplete. Right. They throw they try to throw to Ford again, short left. Yeah, then it's third and, and ten. And a little hidden thing there that I noticed during the game, Lenore went down on that play, that slant to Cooper. Correct. Yep. And Hold then the momentum. he had like cramps, right? Mm-hmm. And he was out there being treated for a while, like a long period of time, right? And it's like, yep. it was clear it wasn't a serious injury. He was standing at one point drinking water, but it's like he has to come out because once you once you receive treatment, you got to come out. That's the rule, right? But he wasn't going anywhere. And it felt like to me, Jake, a, a, a sort of timeout without a timeout there because the Browns were driving. This was a 14-play drive, so this would have been play uh, 10, right? So the, mm-hmm. the 49ers are on their heels a little bit. You're at the 21. And I really think Lenore, you know, he had the cramps are legit. He was out the rest of the series, but he he took that moment to just kind of milk it as much as he could. Because I, I just remember looking at the TV, like he's standing there and there's <laughs> trainers around him and he's drinking water. It's like, this doesn't need to happen out here. This can happen on the sideline. And I, it's funny because I said to Cody in the stadium, like this, this is sucking the momentum out exactly. of this drive. I think that was a totally intentional. Uh, I agree. It was so. And in seventeen sixteen, the biggest play coming back out, Andrew, is it goes right into that JOK sack, uh, intentional grounding, yep. eleven yard loss on first down when San Francisco tried to get some yards, cheap yards on first down. So now it's second and twenty one. They throw to Ayuk on the left sideline, 10 yards. I don't care. He goes out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Perfect money. Mm-hmm. So that's great. And then it's third and 11, and it's an incomplete pass off of pressure. So you get it back at your 26, first and 10, 256. They throw two incomplete passes that were so frustrating because both to Moore were wide, wide open. open. Wide open. And you could just feel the desperation in the building. Like, this is it, and he's missing these chances. Mm-hmm. And then – the question I'll ask, the incomplete ball to Elijah Moore where he gets hit high by Gibson, Yeah, is that a good call or not? I can't see from – I'm at the opposite corner of the stadium in the club, so I'm up, but I, I, I can't see it that well. I think if, if, you're a, if, if you're a 49ers fan, you think it's a terrible call. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I think as a Browns fan and, and, and even as a neutral, I will say even as a neutral, if I was watching a Monday night game and this happened – the problem is Moore is completely airborne. You know, he has no control over his body. Yeah. It's and, a high throw. Yep. Yeah. And, and um, Gibson launches himself into a guy who is airborne towards the head and neck area. Even if he doesn't make clear contact, which it was it was iffy if he did, he's still p- 
putting his shoulder into a guy who is airborne is defenseless. And so to me, that's one that I would call it. It follows the spirit of the law, even if it doesn't follow the letter of the law. Uh, But, you know, Jake, I mean, some context here. I am in favor of being harsher on penalties like that. I'm not one of these guys who gets up at arms every time somebody gets called for roughing the passer, because to me, the only way football has a future 50 years from now is if guys aren't getting their heads taken off. Right. So yeah, anything we can do to keep players safe, you know, even if the penalties seem punitive, I mean, this is a whole other conversation. I'll just say, I'll say it very briefly. I also watch rugby. They play with no helmets and they're the same size moving at the same speed as football players that the, the, ethic of keeping each other protected is in the game right so there's no tackles above the neck period you cannot you know so anyway yeah i'm okay with it no people uh, use the helmet like it's a shield it, exactly like it's like a, like right. a captain america shield that you Precisely. can just launch at people right i'm with you i just and didn't so he, know he did my vantage he did point if he did launch okay he did. yeah that but he, that. he so then what greg olson was saying on the broadcast he didn't make clear contact with the head or neck but he did launch. So that's where I say spirit, not the letter. Okay, right on. Next play, 14-yard sweep off the left edge. A really nice run from Great Jerome play. Ford. They actually were doing a really good job under center. And they ironically was how they scored earlier on that Kareem Hunt little quarterback, uh, you know, selling the quarterback sneak and then sort of sealing the edge and looping around that pin pull stuff. Like they were doing a nice job walling off 49er edge players and then getting some bodies to the perimeter from under center the gun it wasn't successful because the timing was too slow and the backside defensive tackles were chasing it down which was really annoying but from under center it was really effective so they get 14 next play is a play action play where cooper dropped it but he was held so you get five you get four on the next one first and 10 you're at the 36 and then ford rips off 22 yards from the from the stadium that looked like inside zone, and it looked like he made Fred Warner miss. I'm going to have to watch it again, but I think he made a downhill one cut. Warner scrapes. He makes Warner miss, and he, and he rips off, I think, his best run as a Cleveland Brown. For sure. Uh, I, don't, I don't consider that little goofy pop out the backside play against the Steelers his best run. This was a skilled run. Really liked it. And then you get to the two-minute warning, Andrew, and this is where it gets interesting. Mm-hmm. Right? This is where a lot of debate mm-hmm. comes up. You get Kareem Hunt for one yard. You get a timeout from San Francisco. At this point, San Francisco has three timeouts. Yeah. Right? They're going to use all of them. Mm -hmm. The Browns' logic here is, hey, just run it three times. Everybody in the stands, run it three times and make them use their timeouts. Fine. Which I would have been totally fine with. (laughs) I'll just jump in and say, because the 49ers have three timeouts, there's no way that the clock is going to be a problem for them. Because you would like to think that, but you never know. You never know. You never know. I just, I think... Because they have three timeouts, they're going to have, you know, just under two minutes. So my philosophy in that moment becomes you've got to try and score a touchdown because you know between the timeouts and how much time they have left, they are going to need – they're going to have plenty of time to do what they need to do to get the field goal. So you have to continue to put the pressure on them. Totally agree with that philosophy. What I'm saying is at the minimum you make them burn their timeouts, you at least – take away the option to run in specific scenarios where they just don't have the time. So I'm just saying like, 
it, it later and listen at the end of this game san francisco still had that that, that timeouts in their pocket back exactly. in san francisco right now yep. so it, it didn't matter right. but this is a process result thing and as a defensive guy i like to know as much as i can about are they going to throw it or are they going to run it sure so sure that's where i'm like okay you can call a pass and i'm agreeing with you i want to score a touchdown there so the second down play mm-hmm. is the hot topic you can see kevin on the sidelines tell his quarterback hey man if it's not there, just run it, slide it. Here's how this is coached. I just need to be very clear on this. PJ Walker's been playing football his entire GD life. Okay. He has been told from pop to middle to high to college. Here's how we handle late game situation boots where we have, we, we want the clock to keep moving. If you come off of that play fake, you either throw it to the to the leak player who's selling in block 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 and slides to the flat. You can throw to a corner route if he's nobody's around him. Throw it, throw it to the flat guy if no one's around him. Otherwise, you are going to put the football on your right armpit and run and slide inbounds. However, that happens, you can run for a touchdown. I don't care. The goal of that play is to catch the 49ers thinking run is happening and get a cheap, easy throw that results in either a first down, which I think it was like first and 10 from the, uh, where was it, Andrew? First and 10 from, I'm trying to make sure I have the right yard line here. 14. 14. So you could get a first down. Mm-hmm. First down, you know, knee it out and kick your field goal and go home. I was okay. I, moral of the story, perfectly okay with that call. think it's a great call. Border. I mean, I would say it's a great call because I want to yeah. take advantage. And you have a mobile quarterback mm-hmm. who can run it a little bit. And at the absolute worst, if somebody's waiting on you off the boot or you, you don't have an answer and you're going to get hit, just slide down and stay in bounds, man. Yeah, just That's all it. we need. He decides, I'm going to chuck this thing across my body into the end zone. I couldn't. And again, my mouth was hanging wide open at the end of the game when that kick was missed. I was so like perplexed that he would make that choice. He had an out-of-body experience. Mm-hmm. I didn't see or listen to PJ's post-game presser. I hope that question was asked to him because it's a very important quarterback understanding of the moment. You cannot blame Kevin. I'm just telling you, mm-hmm. you can't blame Kevin for that. He literally looked at a player in his face and said, if it's not there, run it. Do not throw it. He still did it. So, Again, he doesn't know P- the relationship with PJ Walker is not deep here. It's relatively new, right? I cannot blame a coach for that that situation, making that call, and the player going rogue like that and doing that. I, I, I again, you can say, well, you should never give him the opportunity. Again, these are NFL players. If all I'm asking a quarterback to do is come off a of fake, and if no throw is there, to just fall. Like, just act like, just fall, just fall down. That should be so simple to execute. You can tell middle school kids to do that and they'll do it right. So I'm, I'm frustrated. Kevin's getting some, some blame for that because I don't think that that's fitting. Um, but again, that play becomes controversial because he throws it. Now the 49ers get to save that timeout. You run another play, you kick the field goal. So you go up 1917 with a buck 43. Mm-hmm. Right, and the 49ers still have one timeout. So I just wanted to hit on that play because yeah. I think that play is no, pretty. It's, it's crucial. It's crucial. And as I said before, I, 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 I mean, I philosophically want to score a touchdown there because you know, with the amount of timeouts that they have and how much time is left on the clock, if you're taking a, a two point lead, your lead is not safe because a field goal drive in the NFL is like 50 yards, 60 yards. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and you even with the way the defense is playing, you still need to play aggressively. I mean, this this actually this conversation, Jake. You know, it takes me back to the the decision that Stefanski made earlier in the game not to punt. That was out near the forty five. That that's a good discussion point too. Um, what do you, what, you Lee? You're watching the TV. If you you can see more. My thought, Andrew, was what I watched. He thought he would go for it, and his guys took the play call in like he was going to go for it, and then he had to call the timeout to stop them from going for it. You know, you'd say like, "Hey, just take the take the delay of game and go, you know, punt it." But I think that he sent a play. I think he wanted to go for that. Am I am I right about that? Uh, no, I think he was just trying to draw him off sides. So then why would he take a timeout? That makes no sense. Well, he took the timeout before the fourth down. I, I know. So I guess you're saying you're saying to get organized. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I hear you. I hear you. I, I don't. I think. Because the offense was sent back out on the field initially for the fourth down, right? No. So what DJ they was under center, what they sent out for the fourth down was the punt unit, but with the first team offensive line. Hold on a second. So 30 second timeout before the timeout. <laughs> I saw PJ Walker out there and then they took the timeout. Then the punt group looked like they came on. Uh, you're saying before they called timeout. Yeah. So okay. then they called the timeout yeah. and then I saw yeah. the punt unit yes. come up. What I get, you're saying the offensive line, right? It was, um, it was the first team offensive line, but with the punter. Okay. I like that. Here's, here's why I like that. Maybe you don't, I don't, I don't like the timeout. I think you need to have a clear choice to be made at that point. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. I like the O-line being out there. Cause it's like, that's, what's going to sell them to jump offside. Mm-hmm. In my opinion mm-hmm. is like, Oh, mm-hmm. they have the O-line yeah. and they're They're actually going to do yeah. this. Um, no, I hated that. I hated that scenario. You need to have one decision or right. the other and go with it. Cause that came out, that timeout could have really mattered yeah. because if the 49ers, there was a moment where I thought if the Browns that that last drive, the third and ten, the Gibson That's penalty, right. that if they didn't get this, they're going to have to punt it. Right. And then they have like the the two minute warning and two timeouts. Right. That's all they right. have. So right. that would have ultimately mattered. And it, and it's you know just to, to to go back, they are leading thirteen to ten at this mm-hmm. point, right? It is it is it is just slid into the fourth quarter. So this is this is fourth quarter, thirteen minutes left, thirteen and a half minutes left, and they've got the ball on their own forty three. So sort of, you know, medium territory, but they are leading and the defense is playing as you, you know, as you mentioned a few minutes ago is playing lights out. My feeling on that is that the Browns, despite their offensive line struggles this year, despite having some players out due to injury, still have a good offensive line, I think, and can, you know, a team with a functional offensive line and a, and a, a, a running back who is very adept at falling forward and Kareem Hunt should have some short yardage packages for this sort of situation that can get them the yard. Or if you want to do the Harrison Bryant thing, do that. But it's a yard. It was a genuine yard. This wasn't like a long one to, to a two. This was a, this was a yard. Yeah. And to me, in that scenario where you've got a backup quarterback, you're what you're doing by going for it there is you're retaining the ball and you're you you really have a you have a very strong chance of getting at a field goal range at that point, which means that the, at that point, then the 49ers have to score a touchdown on your defense that is playing lights out. So to me, it's about retaining aggression, retaining the initiative, and that was that was a real opportunity to do it. And I'm I'm frankly a little surprised that Kevin Stefanski didn't do it because as much as it's about the you know you have the backup quarterback this is one area where the backup quarterback being in doesn't yeah, matter yeah. right cuz he's not going to be part of the play yeah that's interesting i at the time i couldn't tell how close it was so i thought it was more of like an inches scenario a full yard i still would have also been fine with just a yard when they trotted him back out there before the timeout 
I thought, okay, that's fine by me. I, I have no problem. Yeah. Kevin's kind of done these things. I need to understand this. Is there some reason Jalen Hurts isn't huge? So I need to understand mm. why other teams aren't comfortable tush pushing. I I really need to understand it. <laughs> I, I I don't well, really know. Eagle Eagles uh, fans say that it's because of his, his he he might he's not the biggest dude, but he squats. Okay, and is it Kelsey like that gives you the confidence? Right? Is that it? Yeah, and then Kelsey gets Kelsey. They all get real low. They they kind of come in. I, this is the second time I'm mentioning rugby, but they come in like a rugby scrum, so they're like parallel to the ground. Have the Browns and I, they like I need to know if they flirted with it. Like I would I don't. It's so automatic. Yeah. I just would be like, no, I, I know, I know. I also think part of it is like Jason Kelsey is what, like maybe six feet tall, and Ethan Postage is six yeah, five. Down real low. So you know, maybe there's some something to do with that. I, 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 and then like my last little question about it is, I wonder if there's like a little bit of resistance from Bill Callahan because it's like a little bit too new school for him. I wonder. It's all fair to wonder because I'm looking at this play continually yeah. be money, and some teams have emulated it. Not all teams. Some and teams not well. Have. No, not it has not been money for everybody. So maybe they yeah. flirted with it. Maybe they've tried it, and it's yeah. been like in practice. Like, oh God, we can't do that. I'd love to hear Kevin answer that question. That is a, a question that he should be asked. Any other points on like the run through of the game that we kind of hit on? I think all of the key moments here. Well, I want to um, go back to that last IU catch and run on the last yeah, drive because yeah. that that is, I think we're just I I'm really excited to see the all twenty two because. It is, I mean, <laughs> for the entire game, right? Because the what you said earlier about they got out of their scripted plays and didn't have an answer for what the you know Browns were doing defensively. I'm just excited to watch that. I'm just Me excited too. to see that with my eyes and behold that. I like, was watching Kyle on the sideline and yeah, he didn't look like he was having fun. Jake, and, and let's just let's zoom out for a second. How fun is it? Yeah. I mean, what the Browns since the return have never had a unit on either side of the ball this dominant. The closest thing they can get to this is when Josh Cribbs was killing everybody as a return man. Yeah. In in yeah. 25 years, Jake, we haven't had the ability where you can almost kind of sit back and laugh while you're watching the game because what they're doing is so impressive, so overwhelming to this is the best offense in the league through the first five weeks, right? It's right or there with Miami. There. I think Miami yeah. is in front of them, but they're on the NFC side. They've been they've been put they've, they've, the most balanced scored, offense. Certainly, they've scored thirty points every game. Yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. So like that tells you everything you need to know. I will say, um, I have one question about the final because you're you're right. I need to see that IU catch and run. Yeah, it was really unfortunate. The 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 fans in the stands on the third and ten. I was really convinced that they were getting off the field in four straight plays. I, I mean, I was I as confident I as I've ever felt. I was, I was totally bought in on that too. Yes. And then Emerson gets, and it was, he held him. He locked sure. onto him and held him. For so sure. I can't yep. get mad at that call. There were several in the game. Like there was an early that looked like a Jerome Ford face mask, but actually the guy got the shoulder. I actually think the Browns, I'll give the Browns in-house group a lot of credit. They're doing a great job with replays in a sense that like the TV doesn't even do. Like they mm -hmm. are really zooming in on the focal points of any play. Like I don't know if CBS does this, but on the reversed first down quarterback sneak where it originally mm -hmm. wasn't, yeah. they had a, a camera angle, Andrew, from through the official's legs down the line. I didn't see that live. I didn't so see that I'm, on the I'm, I'm looking at Cody so next funny. to me. I'm like, yeah. this is not something you see on TV. Yeah. And this is something that I think only this is, you know, when they, when they go look at the, at the, the official, the head official goes to look at the, the replay little box, they're seeing these views that we don't. So when a decision is made that we don't understand, 
it's clear to me that there are in-house views of this thing that are not getting put on CBS and Fox. Like they're right. just not. That's right. It was yeah. like literally, I mm-hmm. called it a crotch cam. He was underneath splitting the legs of the official <laughs> down the line. You could really see it. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I don't, I don't think that for 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 the sake of like the officiating wasn't good. I mean, there no. were some people like publicly making fun of it. They made that wrong call on the special teams early where they called it on Cleveland, but it was really mm-hmm. on the 49ers. They they didn't mm-hmm. have a good game by any stretch, no. but um that one was like I was like, "Oh, that's drunk because the next play is that IU catch and run." And I'll give the 49ers credit. The Browns need to be running more of these whip and pivot routes where you're selling a flat, pivoting back inside or you're selling a drag and pivoting back to the sideline to beat these man coverage yeah, looks. Emerson had no no idea. No idea. And then, I again, I have to see the replay. I don't want to, to, to pile on talk there, but I was like, okay, what did he just – he just literally looked like he was trying to touch him. It or was he tried to swing Jake. at the ball. And it like, was everybody. I'm sure. D- I, I can only backed just off. McLeod so backed off. Like I, like, I didn't but, understand what they were doing. Like, why were they not trying to go out and like, tackle him? It was like they it, gave up on the play. It felt like – the only thing I can think to say is that they had been told not to let this guy get past them. And so they all kind of went into like a sort of prevent simultaneously yeah. to like keep him in front, but they were backing up and giving ground as he was running at them. I've never seen anything like it. It was bizarre. I couldn't Insane. believe it. Yeah. So after, would... after they rallied to the ball, snap after snap all game long. Yeah. Yeah, that one was like, what's going on right now? Do they think there's like 10 seconds left? Like, I couldn't really put it together from the stands. The other one I wanted to ask you about was, was the, the did Newsom drop that interception the way I think he dropped it, where it was like he should have caught that, or did I Jennings think, get a hand into it and break it up? I think Jennings got a hand in late. Okay. Cause, but I, I think Newsom could have done a, maybe done a better job of extending. He kind of let it get into his body a little bit, and Jennings was able to reach a late hand in there and knock it away. Okay, because you, you, but it was it was thrown to yeah. him, so he should have. Yeah, had that it. was disheartening because it's like, okay, you missed that pick. Then they get the third yeah. down penalty. Then they have this twenty five yard catch. Yep. You know, from there it's kind of downhill. They have a nine yard throw. That there was a big third and two there where Newsom lets Jennings catch a ball on the left sideline, um, yeah. and then it's all downhill from there. Yeah. But I I I can't believe it, man. I really can't because that again. Felt yeah. like a Browns game that you see kind of often where you're like, there are these mm-hmm. five plays I just wish they would have done differently, and they didn't. And now we're at this result where we have a kicker with a 40-yard kick to make it, and it feels very much like this is going in, and we're going to walk out of here bummed. Even though they, I thought they had every right, like you said, 49ers players had said this, I thought they had every yeah. right to win that game. That was the thing that was... Mm-hmm so hard to swallow about sitting there waiting on that 40 yard kick to go. I do also want to give Kevin some credit for calling a timeout. I love calling yep. the time. And I also like calling it early enough that the kicker doesn't get to swing through and kick it once. He yes. just has to stand there. Yeah, and you can't let him practice. It. So mm-hmm. I like that. Anything yep. else you want to hit on before we wrap? And again, this is a wide view. We'll get very microscopic in the coming days, yeah. but yeah, I have a sort of a big picture thing about just like Brown's fans and the experience of, not expecting them to win this, but now they they want it. Mm-hmm. So what I noticed today in the wake of this win, which I think we're all overjoyed with, right, is this weird compulsion that some people have to um like show off the receipts that they I I know that you're mostly, you know, you you picked the Browns to win because you thought there was a path and 
we were, you know, it was a, it was a clean sweep for the OBR otherwise. So you, you picked them, but you're, you know, there's no gloating, but there are people out there that are, you know, looking for sort of looking to settle scores in the wake of an upset Browns win. And it just feels a little strange to me that that's the impulse, you know? Um, and I'll, and I'll say, I'll add this. We, you know, we're skeptical of them being able to pull this off when we talked last week. Mm-hmm. And we've been critical about some of the offensive stuff ongoing. And, you know, we really dug in on the Watson stuff, which has been, you know, continuously perplexing. This this game does not erase those concerns and criticisms. But when you have a win like this, to me, you 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 take it as it's hard to win in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. So you enjoy it and you you kind of bask in them pulling this off. And then you move forward and address some of the bigger stuff as the week goes on. But I, to me, it's, it's, I guess what I'm trying to say, Jake, is that there are, there are people that I think listen to this show, other people on Brown social media that seem to think that the way that you support the team, the way that you get behind the Browns is by never doubting them at all. Right. And so you never admit that you think they might not win. You never pick against them. You never say, you know, this coach is struggling, et cetera, et cetera. I, the way that I relate to football as a fan and as an, as a, as somebody that gets, you know, a little bit of money here and there to, to, to spout off on with my opinions is I look at it and, and try and make sense of it. And so to me, I'm supporting the team by having a critical eye, right? When I say, the Browns did a bad job of communicating the Deshaun Watson injury. That's not because I don't want the Browns to be successful. That's because I think it would be easier for them if they did a better job at this thing, mm-hmm. right? It's the same thing when you're talking about the offense today. It would be easier for the offense if they would figure out how to block a screen pass so that they don't get called for a holding and pu- pull a touchdown off the board, right? So these criticisms are never coming from a place of tearing down. They're coming from a place of trying to inform others and also understand for ourselves we're trying to figure it out on a week by week basis. And so I understand that for some people, it's just, you want to back your team no matter what and you want to believe in them. And that's fine. I'm not, by the way, I am not criticizing the way that anybody roots for their team. You do this, however you want to do this, man. It is not up to me to tell you how to do yep. it. But for me, and I think for you, Jake, there's more satisfaction in trying to understand how the sausage gets made, how we get to the point that we get to today. And when the Browns do something like this, which confounded my expectations for this game. Then the joy is I get to spend the next few days figuring out the ways in which I was wrong and like improve my analysis and my thoughts about the game for the next week. Yeah. So I think you just described the podcast I've run for three years in, in a little sense. Like that's exactly <laughs> why I do this, like why I got into it and why you're joining me on it is yes. because you like yeah. it too, is it there uh, again, you, you said it right. Fan how you want to fan different, different strokes, different folks. Like if you want a podcast that is a diehard supporting this team can do no wrong type of angle, there are, there are plenty of things out there to listen to. And I encourage you to find those. This is not the podcast for everybody. This is a podcast built around understanding football, understanding the decisions your Cleveland Browns make and understanding the nuance of the things that come together on a football field and off the football field uh in, yep. in a larger picture so to your point andrew there's a larger concern about uh placement of things and where you are in a community rather than like just providing honest analysis so 
I think that the way I would describe this pod is that we genuinely try to do honest analysis. And some of you might not agree with it. You might send me a message that you guys are leaning negative. We get no enjoyment out of doing that. We are just giving the opinion that we have that this is right, wrong, or in between. And we get, like you said, man, we get no greater joy than to do what we're about to do tomorrow, which is watch film of them pulling off one of the NFL's biggest upsets this season. Or if you're Mike Keefe, he thinks it's one of the biggest NFL upsets ever. Like, <laughs> like it was a great win for the 2023 season so far and a yeah. great win for Kevin yeah. Stefanski and a great win for the organization to be a real Super Bowl contender and do it on one side of the football when they're at full strength, the way they did and dominate. I was seeing Ben Solak tweeted out uh, that the Browns have four of the top five games for performance this year for success rate that is that's crazy that they've been able to put that together so we're enjoying those parts but if there's something that is not right whether on the field Mm -hmm. or off the field we are going to point that out because i want to draw on the listeners the the community to be formed here of people that can understand that the browns aren't perfect but we can try to understand why they do what they do both off the field and on the field and try to improve our understanding of football and organizational uh, decision-making because that's what makes it fun. Why else are we following at that point? And let me add this. I think that's that's so well said, Jake. Let me just add this. If you are listening and there's times when it's like uh, you're harping on this or it's a little too negative, I I always welcome feedback. I, I think we both do, sure. right? Like uh, reach out. If there's something that you think we're not seeing, we get these all the time and I love them, right? Where somebody's like, after after the Saturday pot, somebody was like, well, what do you think about the, the Denver game in 21 as a as a signature win? I, I love that sort of conversation where we're engaging, you know, in a, we're not just all saying the Browns are the best team in the history of the world. We're, we are trying to understand, we're trying to analyze this team and I am not right 100% of the time. My, you know, self-worth as an individual is not in any way connected to being right about the Browns. It really isn't. I like, I like football. I like this team. I, and to your point, Jake, I love the community of Browns fans. And so any engagement with Browns fans who really want to talk it through, I always welcome that. So I, I don't ever want this to be the thing where anybody feels like we're preaching to them. So if you feel like that's happening, let us know. Focus is like, let's close on this idea, right? I said this during the post game on the OBR uh, stream, and you guys should go watch that too. The Browns, we we thought maybe with the Ravens game, the the there were some holes in the defense. Maybe, you know, they took advantage of some weak quarterback play through the first three weeks, and and maybe they were more like a good defense and not a great defense. This performance puts them right back in that conversation of one of the great defenses in recent NFL history. And if that's what this season is about. I'm all in, baby. Even if that's just it, if that's all that you know, we get up and that the offense never catches up. It's worth it uh, from that defense perspective. They and again, they'll have a fun test next week. They have not seen an offense like Shane Steichen, so it will present some different wrinkles that they have not been exposed to, and it'll be interesting and fun and uh, really enjoyable to see how they react to it and hopefully play well off of it. So, Andrew, well said, man. I think that's important. This is a community. This isn't. A, this is not a. Uh, stand up and preach in front of you thing like and I hope that that is something that uh, I welcome any di- I have a knowledge level of football that I think is strong I've, I've I've felt this way from the time that I started this this is why I did it if I'm I'm not right all the time either I'm not 
flat out. I, I, I can be wrong, but I, what I hate is when, when, when conversation turns disrespectful because I'm not trying to be that way and I don't want it to come off that I'm preaching to you as knowing all the answers here. I have a baseline that I use to apply to the situations, but I don't think so. And if you, and I encourage, and I hope I do a good job of this, of respectful banter around this team and around what you think happened. And I always welcome those conversations. And I know that Andrew obviously does as well. And uh, at some point I would love to get like a specific discord for this podcast where you guys can come and we can all hang out. And the goal is to have a community. Like, I think we'll get there. It's crazy end season here. I think we're going to have uh, some exciting things down the, down the pipeline. Um, we'll get there, but, but I, but I hope the, the moral of the story is when these sorts of things happen, what I've always wanted, these games, these moments is this podcast to be a place that you turn to enjoy to, to amplify your experience of what you just witnessed, to understand it deeper, to revel in the big moments and come together to form something fun. And when they lose, you might not always be interested in the audio and the, and the conversation around it, but you can at least know that if I go to the OBR film breakdown, I can figure out the actual why I can figure out how it happened, what happened. That's always been the goal. We're going to continue to try to do that. I'm excited that Andrew is is joining me for larger portions of this thing, and we're going to make it the best pod that it's ever been. Your Browns win 1917. They have a huge win here. I think it can be a galvanizing moment for the rest of the season. We hope to see that manifest itself in a huge week coming up, and then obviously a big game in Indy to put themselves right in the thick of things in the AFC North, which is getting tight. The Bengals are 3-3. Three and three. Every team in the division has at least three wins. It might be as good as everybody thought it was. So appreciate Andrew spending some time with me at the beginning of this podcast. We're going to take a break. And then my wife, Kelby, joins me for the fit check that I know you guys are all really here for that anyway. Uh, some pretty funky Browns uh, fashion choices in this one. So uh, we're going to get over to that. Quick word from our sponsors. And then we will close with your Monday fit check after a, after a huge Browns uh, a huge Browns win. So thanks for being here. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go Game Time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats, like I said, before you buy them. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds, and they're sent directly to your phone. All right, so you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that Game Time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co. But I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon, using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, it's a Monday fit check. Browns had a lot. Listen, they put up on Instagram quite a few different maybe 10 i can't tell we'll go through all of these but there's quite a few fits to analyze and with fit check comes you know the arrival of kelby fitch what's up kelby how are you i'm well how are you i'm okay our kids are asleep we're in a good spot we got some time to record let's first talk about david and joku who seems to be wearing you know like a black robe with some um, you know, I don't know. You can maybe describe that's like it's like a gold with a lion on the front over. I'm sure there's some some meaning to that that I'm not privy to. Yeah, I can't decide if it's a costume or not. Like maybe some. I'm gonna lean that it's not a costume. Okay. We don't know the heritage line of it. So I say we just. Do you think it's pretty or not? Mm. I think that's the angle. The shade, the shades are a nice touch. Yeah. He's dealing with a lot, right? Here with the burns on the mm-hmm. on the face, and you can see his hand is wrapped, and he's playing through it. He probably deserves like a seven for that I'm alone. I'm giving him a five out of ten for a pity vote. Tough scene. All right, next one. We have uh, a interesting Greg Newsom coat with uh, looks like a, a, a white tank underneath. Some denim, some jeans, some sort of writing on them. Big baby blue puffy coat with uh, looks like pleather. You tell me what you think. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does look like pleather a little bit. I always respect Greg because I feel like he's always putting out some uh, political stance, um, something newsworthy with his fits. Uh, I like the blue. It's very trendy right now. The the pants say something about war. Um, it does. He mm-hmm. is making who decides yeah. war is what he says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So... Uh, because I like the color, I'll give him an 8 out of 10. 
All right, 8 out of 10. Next we have a very interesting outfit from DeAnthony Bell. He is rocking a salmon pant with a, you know, I'll let you describe the shirt. And the mask is like a bejeweled. It's, I, I mean, I don't know who it is unless I looked up the player tag, to put it that way. Yeah, I like the fit without the mask. The The pants are, are great. They're tapered. The shirt matches really well too it looks like he has vans on i'm sure they aren't vans but they look good too they could be he's not a big money athlete yet so those could be still just vans until he gets his second contract or something yeah maybe i feel like the mask is overdone it i feel like it looks like um somebody's undergarments on his head a little bit <laughs> like he might have made the mask let's <laughs> say that next up is grant delpit what do you think of this fit He's got like a black wash denim on and uh, it looks like a denim um, jacket as well. It's paisley uh, decorated. So yeah. it's I like think the back looks... of a playing card, maybe. <laughs> Whatever you say. Uh, the, the shoes are good. What I respect is the hair. It's yeah, always his really. Hair is always really, really good. Yeah. Um, 10 out of 10. Who's behind him in the all black jumpsuit? We're not, not judging him. We're not giving. Yeah, he rolled out of bed. I can't even tell. I don't think he's. He's tagged, so we're not focusing on that player. I can't even – it might be – I'm going to be honest, that might be Amari Cooper, and that would be mm. fitting because Amari, like Nick Chubb, they don't care about what they wear. So we don't comment on Amari. He's too good. Um, next is Donovan Peoples-Jones, who is wearing um, – He's he's got a fit on here. He's got a lot of pink. Go ahead and describe this one. I would like to give him a slow clap for what he has on. That is Barbie pink denim, um, and it looks like palm trees underneath. Like, uh, yeah. what is it, airbrushed yep. at the bottom? And then he's got like a cut-off knit pink striped sweater. What would you do if I wore that into the house? Um, Would you laugh at me? I would question it on you. Uh, well, that's rude. <laughs> but knowing Donovan and how much he loves fashion... I'll 10 out of 10. So I just need to... 12, 12 out of 10. I establish a trend, and then I can do that sort yeah. of thing. Next is Denzel Ward, who looks like he might have a size 26 waist uh, because <laughs> of the puffiness of this jacket. Go ahead on this one. Yeah, it's a leather red puffy jacket. The B, it's got a B emblem on it. I'm sure it's something fancy, but it reminds me of Bally Sports. Okay, definitely not Bally Sports themed <laughs> jacket. But that's what it looks like, does it not? If anybody out there has a guide to high-end fashion that we could borrow... Please reach out. Please, yeah, send it to me. Uh, I'd be more than happy to start expanding what we know of the of the brands here. Um, if it's not Target and Massimo, we don't know yeah, what it is. Yeah, very much so. Uh, balling on a budget. Um, yeah, it's a good look for him, though, man. I like the black with the red, and he ties it all together. The shades... Good look. What do you got? What's your number? I feel like I'm partial to Denzel, so it's not fair. I've noticed you're favoring players instead of the fit. So let's, get, let's be careful here. Um, I don't love the fit. We'll say 6 out of 10. All right. Tough. All right. Next is Elijah Moore. He's got a little denim, got a little salmon. I like this look. What do you think? Yeah, I wouldn't call it salmon. More of a mauve. Oh, so it's like a lighter. Mm -hmm. yeah. Looks like he's got a paisley print on too a lot of pink yeah. these guys are rocking mm -hmm. he's got a louis bag love mm -hmm. that we know that one um it's because it says louis yes, on it yes, that it helps does. that yes. does help um but overall he looks comfy he looks good 10 out of 10 i like the hat good style uh next is juan thornhill all black got a little 
black leather pant going on. He's got some. I can't really tell what the, the, I the think black I know jacket what it is. is, but I don't know how to pronounce it. Okay, let's not hurt ourselves with the pronunciations. Is, is that a C L E? No, I think it's. Is it? I don't know if the if the G is hard or not. Okay. Givenchy. Givenchy. Uh, all right, Givenchy. good try. She tried really hard. I uh, like the necklace with that. I feel good about that fit with the shades. I, I like that one. What are you got, giving that one? He's got the leather pants on. Uh, There's some risk involved. Eight out of ten. I like it. All right, next is our guy Dalvin Tomlinson, who played a whale of a game. He's got some, he's got some uh, bubbly jeans going on here. I mean, like <laughs> they're they just like denim, bubbles. distressed. Yeah, they're all circles. circles. It's a weird. So we got a briefcase. Thing. Yeah, he looks like he should be on the. What is it? The not let's make a deal. What is that? What it is? I think it might be. With Howie Mandel. Yeah, with it's a very case. nice briefcase. It's Louie, so I mean. There we go. Yeah. And then this this giant vest, this uh, yellow vest. I like it. It looks like it's out of Old Navy, circa 2004. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he's, comfy. he's comfy. I'll give him that. Not my vibe, four out of ten. Yeah, he's a defensive lineman. O-line, D-line, very rarely focused on this. And then we have our guy looking like uh, the shark straight out of Any Given Sunday <laughs> wearing... I respect this fit a ton. I mean, he's wearing the, the the white tank, Matthew Adams here with the sunglasses. He's got the rag on. I mean, he is. He looks like he's ready to be a special teams menace. He's carrying boxing gloves. He has tearaway pants on. Tearaway pants on. That to me, from a male perspective, is an eleven, maybe <laughs> twelve out of ten fit. Baller move. What's your ranking on that fit? I just feel like it's all over the place. I feel like you got to stick to one thing. And and be good at it. And this is just a little bit of everything. A little interesting tying the hooded sweatshirt around your waist. I mean, I'm here for that. It, yeah. it hides the curves a little bit. Yeah. Well, uh, I you know, could certainly use a few of my curves hidden. Uh, otherwise, three, on, out three out of ten. On the stories, we have Sione Taki Taki coming in with a, you know, got a nice little leather book bag. Give me some comment on the pants. Are those camo? Like, yeah, they're camouflage. That's like true mossy oak, I feel like. Um He's got and, great hair. And he's got like a little black peacoat on, which is nice. He does have great hair, and you know I love that. Um, I just hate camouflage so much. Yeah. Uh, four out of ten. All right, next is Big Thanos rocking all L.A. fit, which is an interesting choice given playing the 49ers. I know there's a little difference there, but the but the left coast. He's got a Dodgers tee on, Dodgers who's, hat. Who's the player? That is uh, – Dewan Jones, they go. No. They they call him Big Thanos. No, not that. Well, let's the see. Dodgers. Once he turns around, we'll yeah. be able to tell it is a oh, yeah. Jackie Robinson jersey. So we got to give him big ups on that. Yeah. Ten out of ten. Oh, ten out of ten. You don't see that for O line D line very often. And then maybe we have one more sneaking up here. Can't really totally tell. We have Mo Hurst arriving again. Another defensive tackle. I love the jacket. That's, that's very much something I would wear. That's Louie. All right. So he's got the. Mostly black, black tee, black pants. That might be Prada. I don't know. It's probably Prada, right? I don't know. That's a signature. It's like a pattern. Pattern. Yeah. It's the tan pattern with the black and the white and the red stripes. We know black. so little, and we're doing an entire segment yeah, on this. This is embarrassing. All right. Well, I like it. There's Elijah. So this is closing out the stories, and that's it. That's fit check for the week. Kelby, thank you for taking time before you go to sleep to okay. do this segment. It is my pleasure. All right. Well, hopefully you enjoyed Fit Check, and hopefully more than anything else, you enjoyed your Cleveland Browns getting a win, 1917, over the 49ers. So big thanks to Kelby for stopping by for this show. Big thanks to Andrew Spade for stopping by for this quick recap. Obviously, you'll get your stuff over the next few days, comprehensive breakdown, so on and so forth as we break into the film. Go over that, but it's a good time. It's a great Victory Monday, 
And I've done a lot of traveling today before this show, so I'm pretty wiped out. But I think the show still turned out pretty good. So won't traditionally be going to a bunch of games, but uh, when you do get a chance to go to a game like this, that's that's pretty exciting. So uh, anyway, guys, thanks for stopping by. Have a great Victory Monday on your end, and catch tomorrow's podcast where we break it down, all 22 and more. Until then, go Browns. Go Browns.